This morning, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Jesus, who has come, probably a good idea in a church to talk about Jesus, um, and the joy and the happiness of Christmas. Now, uh, how many of you want to be happy today? <laughs> I think that's a majority, right? We, we, we look for it. Uh, even, you know, I don't know if it's just a reminder at our house. My wife likes to decorate. And so there's all these signs that say joy. Uh, she hasn't gone so far as to just hold out a sign and shove it in my face or anything like that. Uh, but maybe that's coming in the weeks to come. I don't know. Uh, joy, it's a, it's a hot commodity. It sounds like a good idea, um, but at the same time, uh, there's stuff going on, and, and it, it's, it's this really this awful tension sometimes, right? Uh, we want to celebrate. We love going to celebrations. We love being the, the kind of people that are laughing and enjoying life, and yet there's things in my life and in your life that you say, I could enjoy life, I could celebrate, except for this, this thing right here, or this event in my life, or, or what's going on. Um, it's, uh, it's just hard to be happy sometimes, isn't it? And I, I hope that that's not too rude of me to bring up on a Sunday morning, uh, that sometimes life is difficult. It's interesting, the, the story of Jesus uh, I've even shared with you in the last couple of weeks this idea that uh, everyone gets excited about babies. A, a baby is born, and uh, in years past, the idea of a, a excited father, uh, the birth of his son or daughter, handing out uh, cigars to anybody and everybody and gifts, and he's so excited because he's a dad. Uh, I don't see too many uh, fathers of teenagers uh, walk around so excited, so excited that they have teenagers. Isn't, isn't this a great day? Uh, why is that? No, I don't want to know. Um, uh, even uh, as we look at uh, the birth of Christ, uh, the miraculous events that led up to it, you know, there was a sense of excitement and joy simply because angels had visited, right? And they'd shared messages and there were stars and there was something amazing about the event of Jesus. Uh, but it wasn't just that, right? It wasn't just an amazing event. Uh, it had everything to do with who Jesus is and was, and not just is and was, but what he came to do. And so uh, this morning, uh, I wanna try to help you with these next couple of weeks, if I could. Um, you may ruin the Christmas dinner. You may buy bad gifts. Uh, you may order stuff on Amazon and it gets here on the 27th. Uh, I don't know, you know, you, uh, you, you may do all these things and they may uh, kind of agitate your soul and it may feel like something's wrong. And yet I, I believe that as we understand who Jesus is and was and what he did, why he came, I think that will make a difference uh, as you reflect on him uh, as we celebrate Christmas. So let me pray for us and then we will get moving here this morning. God, thank you uh, for this morning. Uh, thank you uh, for your grace and your patience with us. Thank you for teaching us. Uh, God, I know some of us are 
it takes us a long time to learn because we're stubborn. Uh, we cling to things that are wrong, uh, great ideas that aren't that great of ours. And so uh, this morning, Lord, I ask that you would use this time in the hearts of sinners, uh, that you would use this to uh, help us to rejoice in the Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to walk through this morning this idea of being saved or salvation, um, that, that Christ came to be the Savior, the Savior. Um, and so this morning, as we're just going to walk through it, I think I have nine points this morning. That doesn't scare you, nothing will. Um, nine points this morning, and we're just going to walk through uh, the scriptures. There were many other scriptures that I could have shared this morning, um, but I had to trim it down, and it's still too many. So anyways, I want to start here, uh, that the guilty, number one, that the guilty need saving. The guilty need saving. Uh, there, There's a question, first and foremost, uh, you, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, not a real Baptist church, one from California. But um, uh, this, this idea of being saved was thrown around all the time. Uh, are you saved? And, uh, you know, if you're comfortable with that kind of language as a kid, you're used to it. You say, yes, I'm saved. Uh, but if you're not, if you grew up uh, not being used to that, you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> saved? Saved from what? Do I really need saving? I, I, I'm really not that bad. I've been a good person. I, I, I'm not one of those ones that is really desperate that needs saving. I want to tell you the guilty need saving. In James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, uh, it says this very important passage, and we could have talked about others, but I love how this describes it in James Uh, As he's talking about guilty and and the law of God, he says this, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. He puts forth the principle there, this, that... When you break the law, you're guilty. You're guilty. Uh, It's not that you're guilty, you've done every crime that could be committed. That's someone who's an overachiever, right? Uh, But the idea of, you know, uh, people go to jail, go to prison, for for what reason? They broke the law. And, And they're called, you know, they're convicted of that. They're guilty of that. And for some of us here this morning, when we look at, um, very classic, when you're talking about this with people who uh, are struggling with the scripture, uh, they say, you know, are you, are you guilty? And they say, no, I'm not a bad person. And you say, I, like, like what? And you say, well, I haven't killed anybody. Well, bully for you. You know, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad, especially as we're standing here, uh, I'm a little fearful that you haven't killed anyone yet, you know, uh, that, but you are guilty. You're guilty. And he marks 
how do we become guilty? What is it to be a transgressor of God's law? It is that we have sinned in a certain way. Uh, we are guilty because we have not obeyed the law of God. Which brings us to point number two. The guilty need saving, but also everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. And I would even say this, everybody's guilty. And so we are in need of saving, that everybody's guilty. In Romans chapter three, a very common verse, we teach it to our kids all the time. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Super important for us to remember this. Uh, We love to compare. And so we love to say, well, I haven't sinned as much as the person next to me. Uh, That's uh, speaking from one jail cell to the other. That's all that is. And we're saying, well, what'd you do? Well, I haven't done that. Oh, okay, you're better than I am, but I'm better. Like, it's a ridiculous conversation. So you, you have this, this picture of Scripture, very important for us to embrace. And by the way, if you're here this morning and uh, you're not sure about the Scriptures, uh, that's okay that you're unsure about the scriptures, but that doesn't change the scriptures. Scripture's the authority of us. Stands in the authority. It's a word of God above us, above us. It, it, it shows us who we are. It reveals to us who we are. And so as we go through this, uh, even as I share with you just the word of God, I want to tell you that uh, the word of God's my authority too. Uh, so first we have uh, the guilty need saving and everybody is guilty and so in need of saving. Uh, which brings us to number three, saved from what? Saved from what? Uh, that's one of the big questions, right? Uh, I was thinking about this and uh, we have interesting people here at Bear Valley Church. I, I don't just say that because I'm the pastor and I think you're great. But we re- truly have interesting people here at Bear Valley Church who have interesting occupations. I remember one time, uh, many years back, I was I was talking to a particular wife here at Bear Valley Church, and uh, she was sharing with me that her husband was away on business, and that's not uncommon. Many many people have business trips, and they go and they do, and they come back. And she had a weird look on her face, and I said, "Oh, okay," and I I didn't get it, and. Uh, her husband was in aerospace and really part of uh, our government uh, contract to take care of different uh, defense things. And uh, she said, he's away on business. And I said, I got it. He's away on business. And then uh, Tuesday of the next week, I found that our country was uh, sending some of the bombers over and they were bombing a particular country in Africa. And I thought, oh, he was away on business. And I, I think about how it would be, uh, you, you know, you're standing in a place, you're, you're um, living life, and you say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I, I got it all taken care of, I'm fine. And someone says, no, you're not, you're, you need to get out of here. He says, no, I feel great, the, the sky is clear, I, I'm living life. And he says, no, you need to get out of here because you're in trouble, I want to tell you that all we see in the scripture, for the most part, is things to come that bears out our sin, the the, the repercussions of our sin. And this is what we need to be saved from. 
that our sin has repercussions. It may not feel like it today. It may be something where uh, you're involved in all kinds of different sins and you wake up the next morning and you say, God didn't kill me last night. So he must not be bothered with it that much. I want to tell you, let's hear from the scriptures what we are saved from. First of all, uh, we have this verse up here. um, Love it. Uh, Just a reminder that Jesus came, that Jesus came. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. It's a special name, is a unique name. It wasn't the father's name, and so that was interesting to them. Uh, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What are we being saved from? Our sins. Our sins. Everyone's. Like everyone, everyone is guilty of sins individually, specifically. I, I know a lot of times uh, we like to just go generally, yeah, I've done a few things. Every one of them. Every one of them. You may not remember them, but God has capacity to do so. It says that the reason that Jesus came, uh, that Mary uh, was bearing a son, his name was going to be called Jesus, for he will save his people from what? Their sins, their sins. And so our sins uh, need to be, we need to be saved from our sins. I would even say it this way and just combining these terms, our, our sins make us a sinner, an identification. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but if some of you like to make, uh, awkward situations when you're in conversation. Here's a great way to do it if you'd like to. Someone says, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And you smile and you say, thank you so much for asking. I'm a sinner. That's the, that's the, my, my most identifying thing of my life. You know, that, that's the way uh, others look at me and my creator looks at me as well. I'm identified as a sinner because of, you know Why? Your sins, and if you really want to make them feel uncomfortable, just start listing out the things that you've done, okay? And they're like, sorry I asked, sorry I asked. Uh, our sins make us a sinner, and this is what we are to be saved from. In Titus chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 11, uh, it says this. Let, let me read you this passage, great passage, talking about our sins and the grace of God. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the, the appearing uh, of the glory of our gr- great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What you have in this passage is God's kindness uh, setting us free from the sins that had made us sinners. And this picture, this is what we need is salvation or saving from our sins. Along with that, and these words kind of all go together, uh, it's not really that we're just saved from a, a list of things, but they, they, one brings about the other. Uh, just saying it in different way. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, 
uh, God's word says this, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Save the lost. Why did Jesus come? Well, he came to seek and to save. And what, what were we identified? Lost people, lost people. Wandering around, not knowing who we are or what we're doing. Um, there's some elegance to it in America that we uh, celebrate lost people. Uh, we uh, make them celebrities and we follow their sins and, and we, we show them to be, oh, we, did you hear what so-and-so is doing? And we don't even know so-and-so, but we see them on our television. We read about them on the internet. We see pictures and we go, well, there must be something. But the reality of life apart from Jesus is lostness. Maybe that's what you're feeling this morning as you come here and you say, yeah, I got a lot going on in my life. There's even a sense of goals and like things that I'm shooting for, but I feel a sense of emptiness and like I'm uh, bouncing around, don't know what to do and where to go and how to get there. I want to tell you that's the lostness that we have apart from Jesus. I want to tell you Jesus came to save us from that from that lostness. Moving on in Romans chapter five, and there's other passages as well. Paul talked about this. Uh, It was one of the things that he reminded people of over and over again. Romans chapter five, verse nine says this, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. From the wrath of God. If someone asks you, so what do I need to be saved from? You can say to them and be kind and gentle. Don't smile. Don't smile. But say, what what do I need to be saved from? To say, you need to be saved from the wrath of God. The anger of God. And you say, whoa, is God angry? Yes. At sinners. That you've offended his holiness by the things that you have done. Well, I haven't done as, yeah, but you're in that category, right? I already talked about that, that idea that uh, sinning makes you a sinner. And so you need saving from that. And apart from which, there will be payment for that, that his anger, his wrath will be poured out on those who have not trusted in him, those who haven't taken care of their sins. And so what what are you needing to be saved from? The wrath of God, the wrath of God. Uh, Sometimes we like to uh, take, you know, um, in our world today, is it good to feel guilty? No, push it off. It's unreasonable guilt all the time. It wasn't your fault. I remember uh, when I was in college, I got in a group of, I was at Santa Barbara City College, the Mighty Vaqueros, and uh, I was studying for some biology class or something. Sorry, I know we have biology teachers here today. I just don't want to eat. Uh, but this idea is something that I didn't want to do. I got in this study group to pass the test. You know, you, share, you, know, you study together and so on and so forth. And um, you look at that and you, uh, I, there were some uh, young ladies in there and we were talking and they realized that I was uh, wanting to be a pastor. And so they were asking questions. And uh, one of them uh, really sought me out and they, she said, you know, what about this? Is, am I really a sinner? And yes, you're really a sinner. And I, I was like, you know, there's a savior. And, and I remember her leaving, talking to me and going off with one of the other girls and they convinced themselves that they weren't that bad. 
but they went and discipled each other away from the gospel. And I just want to tell you that that's our tendency. Our tendency is to say, God's not really bothered by sin. And yet when we read the scripture, the truth that God communicates to us, we realize this, that God does have an anger or a wrath that he pours out on sinners. But he's always ha- he also has his love, his love so much so that he sent his son Jesus that we would be justified, paid in full. And so his wrath would no longer be the thing that comes upon us, but his love. It's an amazing thing. And this is what uh, we need to be saved from, the wrath of God. And lastly, I would say this. Uh, there are other things we could talk about, other passages. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, uh, it says this, "...and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." Uh, One of the pictures that's very important um, when I think of the gospel is that sin brings about death, brings about death. Not only death at the end of this life, but death in the sense of deadness to our soul right now. It doesn't bring about life. It promises, you know, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar. And so he extends a hand and says, sin will make you living. It will make you have life. It will make you fulfilled. And you can celebrate and really find joy and happiness in sin. But it doesn't. It brings about death, death, emptiness. But Jesus, uh, our Savior, appeared who would take that death and abolish it and bring about life uh, and immortality through his gospel. I love it, love it. And so we need to be saved from death. We need to be saved from sin and being a sinner, lostness, wrath of God, death. As we go to number four, I I just want to bring this about, and it's, it's not... Uh, that profound. We'll be talking about it more on Christmas Eve, to be honest with you, as we, uh, we're going to hit this pretty hard on Christmas Eve, that this Savior, Jesus, was foretold about. He was one that was, uh, as the Old Testament points to Jesus coming. I know in the book of Micah, it speaks of even the city. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as we connect that, it's like they were looking for that Savior to come as they knew the Old Testament. The city of David, they're like, that's the one. And they were connecting uh, with him, the one who is foretold about the Savior. And uh, this point is this, that the plan of God is working out in the Savior who is Jesus. And that all this fits together as we see history, not just the the foretelling of the Old Testament, but it founding its fulfillment in Jesus and in the story of Jesus going forward in your life and in mine. Which brings us to number five, that he, Jesus, is the Savior or answer for the world. Um, One of the things that's difficult for us to get our head around is that uh, all have sinned, but that all, that all, that same all that had sinned, everyone, doesn't matter where you live, uh, inside the gate or outside, uh, 
this continent or another continent or, you know, where it's a very populated city or country folks, country bumpkins like ourselves here, um, that all have sinned, but that all have a singular Savior. There's only one Savior for the world. In uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, we, we know that. That's a very common verse, but many times we stop and we don't read verse 17. It says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's common. The, the, the world needs a Savior, and Jesus is the one, and upon acceptance will have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The world might be saved. Um, as we look at this, uh, there's a bunch of, as we look at the the coming of Christ, the, the gospels, over and over again, there's this pointing to Jesus as the one for the world, for the world. Um, there, there are points in the scripture where it talks about how God loved his peculiar people, Israel. But over and over again, he says world when it comes to Jesus being the savior, meaning this, that uh, Jesus isn't the savior of the United States of America exclusively. He, he's not for Israel exclusively. He's not for the European countries. He's not for those who are black or white or, or those who are Asian and, and those who live in the North Pole or the South Pole or, or the, the warm climates. He's not for a particular people. He's not for men nor women nor children nor older people. It's not a sense of exclusivity, but he is the answer for the world. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order uh, that the world might be saved through him, saved from those things we just talked about. The uh, offer, the offer, the solution to our sin problems is found in Jesus and him alone. Just to reiterate, uh, he's the answer for the world, but in my sixth point this morning is only for those who believe. Only for those who believe. Um, when, you, when you hear the word world and uh, book of Philippians, it talks about that every knee would bow. There's other passages that really show God's love for the entire world. He, he loves the world. It's his creation. Um, he takes care, like this is his thing, but... Know this, that uh, as you read the scripture, as you understand it, uh, for how it says, it is only for those who believe that have this salvation that comes through Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, we see this. It says this, for, sin, uh, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Maybe that's a little complicated, but know this, that Paul, as he was going out into the world, 
he realized that this was his life, his sharing was part of uh, the plan of God. And that some were accepting and some were rejecting, some were embracing him and bringing him into their homes and others were beating him and throwing him out of the city. A very different response, uh, you know. Um, sometimes you know if you're a good preacher immediately. Uh, but, but Paul knew this. He had this uh, back and forth of people who would accept and someone who would reject. But he realized this that it was part of God's plan that even in foolishness that some would think it was ridiculous, the message that they they would preach and for those who believe they would be saved. Those who believe they would be saved. And I just want to tell you this morning that you may be here uh, just, you know, uh, it seems like a good time to go to church. Maybe you're trying to get your time in before Christmas Eve. Um, I want to encourage you to come back Christmas Eve. It'll only be an hour long. You can do it. Si se puede. You know, you can do it. Um, But uh, uh, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that this isn't just getting something over with. But it's it's believing in Jesus Christ. It's having life inside the Son. This, This is what we are about as a church. We're not about being good people. If we are about being good people, we're not doing a very good job, okay? But the preaching, the grace of the gospel that comes, we want to extend Christ to you because he's the only one where you can truly be saved. Which brings us uh, to the only Savior is Jesus, the only Savior. Uh, It's only for those who believe, but it's really the only Savior is Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12 Uh, as God's church is being established uh, for the first time in uh, in Jesus through the apostles in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Um, So, we got a couple more points, but I want to connect this. How should this bring about joy and happiness uh, as we celebrate the birth of Christ? It wasn't just that he was a baby, right? It wasn't just that it was miraculous. It was that sinners who needed saving, guilty people who uh, were needed to be saved from all these amazing things that they were stuck in, lost in, that uh, we realize that we have an answer for our sin. We have an answer, and there's only one, and we have it in Jesus. You may be here this morning as a person who's bounced around in life. You, you've tried this, you've tried this, you've tried this. and uh, What you really were doing, you were going to the Savior store, and you were trying different Saviors. I wonder if this one will work. It's kind of like some of us do at the, the pharmacy, right? Just give me another pill. I'll try that one. Nothing's worked. Give me another one. I tried that one already. Give me another one. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And so we look to the scriptures and we see that because we are created, uh, because there's a God who knows us and loves us, because he understands his own plan being worked out, we see this, that he's given us 
Jesus, his son, and that there's no other remedy for our sin problem. There's no other way to be saved. Which brings us to number eight. Life is found in Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 31. Really talking about the whole book and the whole message of Christ, the the gospel. He says, but these things are written. Why is this book written in the book of John? Why did John write it? Inspiration of God. Why is this written? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus being his name, Christ being what he did, that Savior, Messiah, uh, the Son of God, and that that by believing you may have life in his name. Life, life. You you look at all the emptiness and all the deadness in the world and by believing in Jesus, we know this, that life is found in him. It's found in him. That, That as we go about our day and we go to our job or we go to our job of retirement or of homemaking, of uh, school, whatever it is that fills our day, that it's not just dead things that we do over and over again and we got to do them again tomorrow, but that we are experiencing life because it's found in Jesus. And by believing in him, we have this life, life in his name. Which brings us... uh, really to the end of this morning and I just have one more point it's believe and confess for salvation Romans 10 9 and 10 says this because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses confesses and is saved an issue of your heart that you speak through your mouth, right? I am a believer in Jesus. I've trusted in him. He's mine. I I have life in him. I'm a sinner who needs a savior and he's my savior. This is what it is to know Jesus. This is why it's so exciting when we celebrate the birth of Christ. This morning, as we come to conclusion, uh, we should have joy because Jesus has come. He's come. And that as uh, we celebrate the baby, we will uh, be thinking about the cross and what he has done and that he is the savior. He's right there. That baby is right, the one that we've been waiting for. And we have joy because the Jesus has come, but we also have joy because he came to save. He came to save. And lastly, I would say it this way. We have joy because of Jesus because he is my savior, my savior. This isn't just hypothetical. He's a good person for someone else and he's gonna do great things. But because I personally experienced the saving that my soul needed. This is why we celebrate Christ. This is why we celebrate his birth. This is why we teach it to our kids and share it with our community and, and, and celebrate it because Jesus is the one that can bring us joy out of emptiness, freedom from sin, freedom from lostness, escaping the wrath of God that we might no longer be dead but alive because of Jesus.
Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of your scriptures and guiding and directing us, sharing us with the the good news message of Jesus. God, I pray this morning that um, as we hear this message, as we talk and as we celebrate, that we would be able to find joy in Jesus, in Jesus, that uh, things may not be right, our health might not be right, our family might not be right, or our finances, or the presence in the house, and all kinds of things could be going wrong. But Jesus came. Jesus came to save sinners. And so we rejoice. God, help us to do so. We thank you for the gift of your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.